looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. His lightsaber. Ah, yes. A Jedi's weapon. Much like your father's. By now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So will it be with you. You're wrong. Soon I'll be dead. And you with me. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 513, Return of the Jedi, Act 3. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Darth Vader to my Emperor Palpatine, we have Carl LeClaire. Uh, it's an aluminum falcon. Hmm, what the hell's an aluminum falcon? (laughs) Just stay... Don't come up behind me when I'm close to the railing, please. I, I <laughs> don't want any accidents. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, before we even dive into this episode, heads up, everyone. I am not in the best of health tonight, so uh, apologies if there's intermittent coughing throughout. Um, but uh, we're going to soldier through this like the troopers on Endor, Jason. Yes, absolutely. All the Endor troopers and the Ewoks, because, I mean... They fight just as hard, if not harder. If not harder. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, we have been having a great time going through Return of the Jedi here. Uh, its 40th anniversary is just a couple days away from this recording. Um, it's been so fun kind of diving into this movie more in depth, Jason. Um, and uh, we're just going to pick right up with things here for Act 3, where we, where we left our heroes off um, after Luke and Vader's kind of confrontation there. And Vader takes Luke off to see the Emperor. Um, I love this little scene with Han and Leia and Chewie and and the, the Ewoks um, when they're kind of looking down over the ridge at, you know, this kind of massive Imperial installation. And, and Han makes this very optimistic comment that, hey, don't worry, Chewie and I have been in, gotten into places way more heavily guarded than this. And the thing I've always thought about that line that I've always appreciated is one that just kind of indicates that these two these two heroes have had a lot of adventures together. And like when I was growing up watching this movie, it made me very excited to read the Brian Daly trilogy that came out back in the you know the seventies. It came out even before Empire was out, uh, which are exactly that. They're just the adventures of Han and Chewie. Uh, so I love that a simple line like that gives a sense of history to these characters. And now, kind of in light of Solo. Um, which it's five year anniversary is on the same day as Return of the Jedi's 40th. Um, what? Right. We uh, we kind of get a sense again of, of the Han we meet in that movie, which, again, is kind of this more optimistic character. Yeah, absolutely. And it's. You're still getting the, that little, you know, kind of boastful Han, but it feels like there's history and weight behind this boast and not just him being, you know, puffing up so to speak. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but we don't have to do that because uh, the Ewoks say there's a secret entrance on the other side of the bridge. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be able to uh, avoid having to do a full frontal assault on this massive installation. So, mm. yeah. Uh, well, our, in our first scene with uh, the emperor and Luke, it's just such a doozy. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, um, Yes. So much going on here, right? Uh, there's, I don't know, Jason, have you ever read the Return of the Jedi novel? I believe it's by James Kahn. Uh I feel like I did when I was 
very young. Um, I haven't read it uh, any time recently, unfortunately. Uh, I spend too much time watching the movie and quoting every single line that uh, the emperor says. So, um. <laughs> uh, one one fun little caveat in the novel um, during this scene is when Vader hands the emperor uh, Luke's lightsaber. Uh, the emperor kind of insinuates that the Sith don't use those weapons, like that they're beneath them. Uh, so I just thought that was always this neat history of like, yeah, the Sith don't need them. We don't like the emperor's like, nope, we don't use those things. Um, that's a Jedi weapon. We're not Jedi. Um, and, uh, I think something else that's really great in this moment is just Luke kind of like he was at the beginning of the movie, strolling in confident as hell to confront Jabba. He's not intimidated at all by the emperor and the way he kind of just talks back to him, you know, like you're not going to convert me like you did my father. And Vader just like whips his head to look at him. Right. I think Vader is so taken aback with Luke's boldness here. And and basically saying to to the emperor like, no, you're not you're not going to win this, and uh, I'm going to be dead soon anyway, just like you. And and I think Luke when he's when he goes into this experience, what what that honestly makes me think, Jason, I've never really thought about this before, um, is when he fails to get through to Anakin on Endor, right? Uh, my father is truly dead. I think he really believes that up to that moment, and I think going into this to this confrontation with the emperor. He's like, well, whatever, I guess, I guess I'm screwed because when the fleet shows up, they're going to blow this place up and I'll be with it. And I, so I, I feel like in this moment, Luke genuinely thinks he'll be dead, but at least the emperor will be too. Uh, right. I, I'm not sure if he necessarily believes that Anakin is unreachable, but he's mm. at least, he's not focused on that anymore. He He's done what he can in this, at this point. Um, there's no, purpose and no time to try and split his attention between Vader and the Emperor at this point. He's already made his appeal to to his father. Uh, he is going to move ahead as if his father is truly dead. Um, whether or not he fully believes that, I'm not sure. Uh, but he has made the decision probably ahead of time that if he ends up on the Death Star in front of the Emperor, he can't worry about that anymore. Mm. And he is definitely just going to focus in on the Emperor, who is completely focused in on him, too. You know, th this is all about the Emperor and Luke at this point. The Emperor sees his opportunity to uh, upgrade <laughs> his right hand, yeah. uh, which is, of course, the way of the Sith. Uh, like Anakin was to to Dooku, uh, Luke will be to Vader. So, uh, and and you're right. Luke does go in very confident, very bold. It comes off almost a little cocky because I don't think he really understands what he's in for, what he's going up against. Uh, not fully. Um, and it definitely catches Vader a little by surprise. This is not the kid that he confronted on Bespin, you know, less than a year ago. Mm. So, uh, and I think that that has a, a an impact on Vader as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, and and the scene also kind of highlights once again the the clear difference between the dark side and the light side. Right. Luke Luke puts his his faith and his trust in his friends. The emperor puts it in the arrogance of believing he knows the future. And he right. He's kind of got this godlike status in his mind. I know how things will shake out. The dark side is all about power and ownership, whereas for Luke, his his power is kind of resting in the belief that his friends and their compassion will win the day. Right. Which, you know, uh, I, I always like the fact that they both um, are so in tune with the situation that they're able to identify the weakness or, or at least what they rely on, mm. uh, which could be used as a weakness sure. by the other. Um, so all the cards are on the table, really, and it's just a matter of playing everything out to see where where things shake out. 
right. uh, between the two of them. There's not any subterfuge going on with between Palpatine and Luke like there was with Palpatine and Anakin. Mm, um, yeah. It's an accelerated, yeah, the it's is, accelerated temptation. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's an accelerated temptation uh, and it's it's a battle of wills more so than uh, trying to, to lure a, another Skywalker to his side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I appreciate then this scene where our heroes are about to be captured on Endor and Wicket races off to get some help. I just, you know, yes. it's, a, it's a great little moment. It's a comedic little moment with 3PO. Uh, you know, where are you going? Ah, to stay with me. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's, it's, it's a lighthearted little moment, but I love it because it's just Wicket is all in. And so are the Ewoks, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's with the scouting party, but the Ewoks have, you know, at that, that little tree village the night before, like they've committed to this fight. It's not that they're just going to help scout out the lay of the land, but they're going to join the fight as well. So Wicket goes to bring bring the warriors back, which I just love that little that little caveat that it's Wicket who does it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he he's definitely been the, the Ewok that we've met the most, and Warwick Davis does a fantastic job as as Wicket. Uh, and uh, yes, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. He's very very enthusiastic. And he runs off and knows exactly what to do. Um, and I feel like R2 understands what's going on, where 3PO is just too panicked to think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, if, but of course, then we get the, the great introduction of the Rebel fleet showing up uh, at Endor. And it's, it's still one of my favorite moments, just musically and action-wise, as we, we really launch into the Battle of Endor um, as the Rebel fleet shows up, realizes it's a trap, and then <laughs> has to start fighting their way uh, for their very survival. So it's it's just a great, great sequence. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think what kind of stood out to me as I was rewatching in the past week um, is how quickly Lando slips into general mode, right? He's, he's quite the tactician, you know? He's the one who who, you know, notices that the shield is still up, even though Wedge is like, are you sure? <laughs> um, it's it's Lando who understands that and, like, immediately starts calling out orders, which somebody must have told them about his battle or his maneuvers at the Battle of Tanab. I still want to know what the Battle of Tanab mm-hmm. is. Um, right. Well, I don't, been, we don't like, it's we've been got 40 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been 40 years and we still don't know. Um, but uh, all that to say, I think it's it, Lando now becomes our POV character, right? Of this battle, uh, he is he is yes. he is the hero in space for us, um, and he he very much leans into that. I mean, uh, and I feel like it's it it is like a good extension of the character we met in Empire. I mean, he's he's this administrator. He's a responsible person who who looks out for the well being of the city he runs and. I think that's a translatable skill to being a good commander, caring, caring for the troops that are kind of uh, under his command. And he just he really takes ownership of that. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, no. And he's obviously well respected uh, among the rest of the generals, too, and, and Admiral Akbar as well. So it's when he starts giving directions and orders, there's not really, you know, much of a question, yeah. you know, you know, obviously. Wedge is like, are, are you sure? You know, uh, but he still obeys the order. So, uh, and and Admiral Akbar doesn't question it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's definitely quite effective uh, as a as a team there. Yeah, so. yeah, um, and there's. A lot of stuff in this space battle that we talked about this much more in our in our Act One episode, Jason. But of the nostalgia factor of Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of some callbacks. Yes, I think a lot of the space battle has some callbacks to uh, the Battle of Yavin, um, and even just in general. Like, I mean, one of my favorite shots in Star Wars is just that really great POV shot from the Falcon's cockpit of all the Tie interceptors and Tie fighters just kind of breaking like a wave over the Falcon. Um, yeah. You know, it's this great shot, and, and I feel like it has a similar feel to me as the opening moments of A New Hope, which is this far superior force has showed up to put the rebels in their place, ideally. Well, you know, as they hope to. Um, I think 
we get a lot of that in the space battle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we get X wings and you know Y wings again, and Tie fighters. We also then, of course, for good measure, they throw in some some new ships and uh, a lot of ships. Let's let's take the uh, the fun that we had from the nostalgia of the Battle of Yavin and then turn it up to eleven and go from there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, so the movie just now kind of jumps around between the space battle and or the battle and the, the Luke and, and emperor confrontation. And so we go back in there and the emperor is come boy. <laughs> um, See for yourself. Yeah. From here, you will witness the final destruction of the Alliance and the end of insignificant rebellion. <laughs> Yeah, oh. and it, it, you know, it's so funny. We, you mentioned just a few minutes ago about how this is similar tactics to how we corrupted Anakin, um, but not sp- over the same amount of time, obviously. But again, it's it's this threat of I will get Luke to fall because like his father, he cares about people. So if I threaten those people, that's how I'll get him. And I've mm-hmm. always found that line, you know, like you, like your father are now mine. Right? It's. The Emperor is such a he, – he wants to possess people. I mean he's almost like this demon. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, I I always think that that's a, that's a line in, in actually Rise of Skywalker when Finn is telling Poe about how the, how the Emperor wanted Ochi to bring Rey to him because he wanted her alive, right? It's this – and there's this sense of fear of like he wants to possess her. And that's clearly what he wants to do at the end of that movie as well, right? So something that makes the Emperor so evil is his desire to just possess people. Uh, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a complete disruption of any sense of freedom. Yeah. And and him, you know, obviously the the battle of wills between he and Luke is still going. But when he says you like your father are now mine, you know what he's he's you know, it's a calculated attack too. like this. He is, you know, whether or not, you know, the conflict will still go. um He's trying to uh, to push Luke into a sense of hopelessness, into a sense of despair. Um, and, you know, whether Luke is actually his yet doesn't really matter. He just has to think that he is. And so by showing him the, the trap that has now been sprung on the, the fleet... And telling him about all the troops that are on Endor and saying, ah, well, you know, there's nothing you can do about them. The only thing you can do is use your weapon, strike me down, although that might be the next scene. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely ramping things up <laughs> to make Luke strike out in anger against him in order to do something to help his friends. Right. Um, and uh, back down on Endor, <laughs> we we see the Ewoks spring their surprise attack. Uh, thanks to yes. Wicked. Yes. Um, and uh, I mean, I just <laughs> I've always loved the Ewoks springing in a battle. And you know, George Lucas was pretty, pretty adamant uh, when Return of the Jedi came out that uh, in his mind, the Ewoks were kind of like the Viet Cong during the Vietnam War, right? And America was the empire, you know, invading a foreign land that they didn't belong in. And the people who lived there, the natives of that space, knew the land. They knew how to fight on it. They knew how to win. Um, and that's what the Ewoks do, right? They're, if you actually even just pay attention to their tactics, there actually are some tactics. Their tactics are sort of essentially, it's this massive force, but they just pull them into the woods, right? Like, stand behind a tree and shoot an arrow out of it, right? It's, it's, it's very guerrilla tactics, but it's a way of getting them to fight on the Ewoks turfs. Um, and of course, at first, the Ewoks weaponry uh, against at least the walkers is pretty ineffective at first, but it doesn't take them long to figure out how to, how to best the walkers, um, you know, just kind of showing the ingenuity of the Ewoks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the... All the, uh, you know, the traps and the uh, the things that they end up laying for the, the stormtroopers and the walkers in forest uh, sometimes makes me think a little bit of 
Rambo um, <laughs> and, all the tra- and all the traps he set for <laughs> the uh, the forces after him, the, the law enforcement after him. But uh, obviously uh, much cuter and more eloquent than Rambo. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sly. Um, but uh, no, it, it's always been a, you know fun and entertaining to, to watch the Ewoks, uh, you know, fight the empire. Uh, you know, it's, I know some people roll their eyes and obviously there's the people who go, Oh, the Ewoks, how could they defeat the empire? Well, the empire didn't know what to expect. The empire didn't think they were going to have to deal with the Ewoks. And then the Ewoks decided to throw the forest at them, you know, right. Literally. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yes. In some cases, quite literally. Um, and you know, the stormtroopers are not trained for that. And, Plus, there's rebels, and they steal a walker, and all this other great stuff happens. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the action really kicks off, and we just do this sort of spiraling action throughout the rest of the movie as we, as you said, rotate almost between the different battles. And Return of the Jedi, in my opinion, does this the best out of any Star Wars movie as it switches between story beats uh, in each of the various locations and different conflicts and stuff like that. So, uh, and, you know, fair or unfair, I hold the Battle of Endor up as the gold standard for any, you know, future Star Wars movie that comes out uh, and how they manage to do this kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, (laughs) it's a pretty iconic one. Um, uh, Yeah. And, as we kind of go back into the space battle, uh, when the Death Star does become operational, Akbar just wants to run. You know, everybody wants <laughs> Akbar to get this super iconic death in Last Jedi. I don't know why. And dude wants to run as soon as things get tough. Come on, give me my Radis. <laughs> Push the attack <laughs> rather than run. Uh, and it takes Lando to kind of call him out. Just be like, listen, we're not going to get another chance at this. We got to do this. And I think what I love again about Lando in as he's leading the uh, continues to lead the space attack is he's really confident in Han. You know, we got to give Han more time. Han, you know, I love that he calls him Han. Got to give Han yeah, more time right. um, because he really believes that Han can do this. He, you know, just like Luke has faith in his friends. Um, and again, Lando's quick on his feet. All right. Well, let's just let's go engage those Star Destroyers. If we pull in among them, the Death Star can't shoot at us without hitting their own. Um, and we might take some of them with us, right? He's got this fighter's heart and let's not give up until we absolutely know we can't win this. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, what it is, you know, obviously, you know, that Akbar is a tactician and he knows with the Death Star operational, they can't beat that, uh, you know, as is, you know, they're, they're unable to do that in the current situation. They can't do it. So he is going to try and save as many people as he can by retreating um, and hope that they can do something else later. That's, that's his, his tactics. Yeah. Lando's a gambler. Mm. Lando is a gambler and he's gambling mm. on Han uh, and the resourcefulness of the rest of his friends. And, and I think that's part of why he's able to, to convince you know the admiral and of course you know providing the alternate uh the alternative strategy uh you know again is is something that you know once he has that the you know akbar goes okay we'll try it you know because he's he you know lando's right they're not going to get another chance at this this is the best opportunity they have to take out the death star and the emperor Mm. um if they don't, the Emperor will never be on the Death Star again, and then they'll have to fight the Death Star and figure out how to take out the Emperor separately, uh, and the war will continue to rage on for many, many years. You know, this is this is still their best opportunity. So he is willing to gamble uh, on Han and the rest of the crew. So and and it pays off, obviously. Yeah, I love that, Jason. I love the way you kind of. Point that out. The difference between a tactician and a gambler. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they, they both look at the same information, but uh, sometimes come to different conclusions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
um, well, it's at this point where things feel pretty dire that Luke does take up his lightsaber and lunges mm-hmm. at the Emperor. And, of course, Vader stops him. Um this is one of those questions I've I've always loved asking is why does why does the why does Vader jump to the Emperor's defense? And um, I mean, I think the most obvious answer is simply it's just kind of a knee jerk that Vader is still mm-hmm. the Emperor's lackey. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just what he does. He protects the Emperor. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a form of his enslavement, really. Um, and but after Rise of Skywalker came out, and of course, this was not in George Lucas's mind when he <laughs> wrote Return of the Jedi. Um, but with the expanded canon of what the Emperor wanted Rey to do in Rise of Skywalker, right? Strike me down so my spirit can pass into you. Um, what if what if that's what he also wanted Luke to do? Strike me down because then I can come into you and possess you. Um, and maybe the maybe Vader knew that. So he he prevents that from happening. Um, I don't think that's really the case, but it's just like a silly little thought I'd like to have since since episode nine came out. <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a good theory to to play around with. Um, the only thing is, I would say uh, Palpatine's situation is different. Uh, Palpatine is still in full control of his corporeal form here in Return of the Jedi. Whereas in Rise of Skywalker, he's uh, inhabiting a degrading and inferior clone of himself. Mm. Uh, So I don't necessarily think that Palpatine was aiming for that. He probably might have taken advantage of that if Luke had struck him down. Um, But I think your initial thought is more more accurate with the situation vader is still on a leash and uh is still the emperor's guard dog and he does what any guard dog does and he jumps to his defense so mm-hmm. out without thinking so yeah. um which is and, of course exactly what the emperor wants yeah and i think luke's mindset here at least my read on it is because luke thinks well shoot the fleet might very well lose and my friends might very well not make it on the forest moon. I've got to at least do something. I got to take out the emperor. Right. I think. Yes. Um, and I feel like in that moment, it's not really giving into the dark side. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't see it that way. Not quite. Um, but it's, it's kind of this dire circumstance of, right. Like we talked to it kind of when we were starting, when we opened the act, like, Luke going there and basically saying, yeah, I'll, I'll be dead and you with me. Um, and when he realizes that might not pan out, well, all right, got to take matters into my own hands is kind of how I read Luke's yeah. way of, of, of responding in this moment. I don't know if it's necessarily full dark side yet, but it's definitely desperation, mm. uh, which is, you know, uh, a, a variant of fear, which leads to anger. And there's fear and anger wrapped up in this, which will lead to hate and lead to suffering. Um, so Luke is on that path uh, of slipping. Not there yet, but he is potentially slipping down that path right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, we kind of we kind of already mentioned that back down on the planet, uh, things start the tide starts to turn down there when um, Chewie and some Ewoks steal steal a yeah. walker. Uh, I love that yes. Chewie just is kind of off on his own with the Ewoks, um, right? Because obviously, one of the early drafts of this was uh, this planet was supposed to be the Wookiee planet, right? That was because mm-hmm. uh, in, in George's original big screenplay, the final act was this battle of of Wookies against Empire. Um, but when he, when he broke the movie into these three parts, uh, he, he changed things up a bit. So I just think it's kind of fun that it's, that it's Chewie with the Ewoks. Um, and they're in, and it's, it's his ingenuity combined with theirs that really start to turn the tide. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their know-how and knowledge of the forest combined with his technical skills and ability to drive just about anything, um, team up and uh, they turn the tide and he gets the jump on, you know, some, some of the walkers and starts to basically run the stormtroopers off into the woods where they can get picked off one by one by 
the the whole Ewok tribe out there. So yeah, it's uh <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, while Han and Leia are busy trying to get into the shield bunker, uh they run into some problems, Leia's hurt, and then, you know, they think it's it's over as the walker walks up and uh well then it's Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, because Han's got an idea. Ah, well, he always has an idea, <laughs> which is either a good thing or a bad thing. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, then, and then we go to this this duel, um, and Luke's dueling skills have certainly upgraded quite a bit since since we saw him in in Empire. Um, and obviously, this is a skill set that was honed off screen. Um, Honed on his own. Um, just want to point out, nobody ever called him a Mary Sue. Just saying. All you people that love to call Ray a Mary Sue, <laughs> it's because she's a woman. Um, and you don't like that. Get over it. Um, but all that aside, uh, Luke Luke shows a massive gain, gain in, in strength and skill that we never saw where it came from. Um, and I'm fine with that. I don't care. Uh, but for all my fellow Shadows of the Empire lovers... Uh, we actually do in that book, we see Luke training a bit with his lightsaber, um, which is just yeah some fun little scenes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Luke's Luke's really stepped up here. Um, and it's something that always stands out to me is, you know, how when they're fighting and they're holding their lightsabers kind of like against each other. Um, mm-hmm. it, and this is something that happens a few times in both a new hope and, and empire in their duels. But the first time I understood what it was, what it meant was if you watch the duel with Dooku and Obi-Wan in attack of the clones, right? It's Dooku just overpowers Obi-Wan when their sabers are kind of crossed together, just holding there and mm-hmm. Dooku just kind of slowly pushes Obi-Wan to the side and then boom, you can attack him while he's exposed. Um, we see right. Vader do that to Kanan and rebels when he duels him, right? Mm-hmm. Kanan's not able to overpower him. And yet we see Luke here, who's a much smaller human being, <laughs> Uh, doesn't have the added strength of prosthetic arms holding Vader's blade at bay, right? So again, just showing how strongly Luke has uh, been able to connect to the Force, and and where and that's really where his prowess in combat comes from, um, just like where Ray's comes from. Um, but uh, yeah, and you know, Vader pointing out, uh, you know, Obi Wan is has taught you well as he's looking up at him on the high ground. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think Vader's holding back at all in the fight? No. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he's necessarily pushing himself or to like full exertion either. I don't think he's necessarily holding He's not going easy on Luke. This isn't like, you know, Empire where he was toying with Luke until the end. This is this is a very I think evenly handed duel, and they're both feeling each other out, trying to see uh, when one is going to make a mistake, if they, if one can outlast the other. You know, this is they're both on fairly even footing at this point, and I think Vader is trying to uh, to gauge right now how hard he can push. Uh, to see if he can either overpower or outlast Luke and Luke is doing the same thing. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of chess, I think, which Mm. is, you know, what a lot of duels get into. Yeah. Um, well the action on the, the planet is pretty much (laughs) wrapped up, you know, moving forward. Now they, they go to the, you know, they trick the Imperials to opening the back door so they can go in and bomb it. Um, yes, not much to really say about that other than, uh, I mean, I guess it does show that Han has some awareness of Imperial procedure. Um, <laughs> so I, yes. I feel like it might be, that might be the first thing in the original trilogy that would indicate that Han had a past in the empire, right? There's nothing in a new hope that would indicate it. Not directly, certainly not in an empire. Um, yeah, not, nothing that, uh, well, Maybe uh, his knowledge of when they they dumped their their garbage. Oh, that's true. Good point. Yeah, yeah. But a smuggler could just know that. 
Right. But all the, yeah, right. all that to say, it you know, and and it didn't really become part of a canon for Han Solo to have been this formal imper- former Imperial until after Return of the Jedi. So um, a little scene like that, again, just gives a sense of history of the character. Um, right. Because boy, does he seem like a fumble, dumb, fumbling idiot when they're on the Death Star in A New Hope. Like, uh, everything's <laughs> all right now. How are you? <laughs> Right, right. He's in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and we come back to this kind of climactic end of the fight where Vader gets Luke to attack because he threatens Leia. Right? If you're mm-hmm. not going to turn to the dark side, perhaps she will. And I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've noticed in watching this movie, Jason, that when you get those shots of Vader kind of trying to find Luke in the darkness, he's holding Luke's hilt. Um, because originally you, they had a shot where Luke force pulls it out of his hand when he first attacks. Mm. Um, I kind of wish they'd kept it in there just cause it shows that he like overpowers Vader with the force. Um, but, uh, but this scene is also showing the power Vader has in the force, right? He's able to pull out of Luke's mind exactly what he's thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your thoughts betray you too. So you have a sister, you have a twin sister, right? Um, and I've always thought, you know, when it's really great when Kylo Ren uses that force ability to pull information out of Poe in Force Awakens. Um, But it's a lot more of a struggle for Kylo. Um, Whereas, again, like Vader's just able to like that, just pulls it right out of Luke um, and is able to see what's what Luke is trying to guard inside of himself. And and part of that is probably because they're related and they you know they have connected before in you know mm. Empire and and stuff so you know they're, they're related they're they're they've connected in the Force before so it's probably a little bit easier for for Vader to to look in in that sense but it is very interesting to watch Vader Anakin Vader in this role of of trying to push. Luke and to tempt Luke and to to get him to to turn and everything. This is this is Vader's last attempt to get Luke to join him instead mm. of the Emperor. Yeah. Um he's he's trying to get Luke to turn to the dark side and hope that he can then turn that fury on the Emperor, is my guess. Um I'm not sure he's necessarily thought the plan out fully um but he's just going for it because he's this is his last chance to Mm. do that um Mm -hmm. yeah because that's what the sith do so and as as luke kind of just goes to town on him and and overpowers him um we see what happens when he feels the people he cares about are threatened Right. So for for all the people who still seem to struggle to understand why Luke Skywalker would have done what he did with his nephew. Watch this movie. It's right there again. I'm not saying you have to like it. Um, uh, You don't have to like that decision. But I think this is the clear point of it's the same Luke. Luke looks into the future and sees these horrible things happening to the people he loves. So for the briefest instant, he thinks about ending it right then and there, but immediately regrets it. Right. That's the thing people always seem to forget that oh, he would have never murdered his nephew. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what he says. Like, watch the damn movie. <laughs> um, it's pretty clear that he wasn't going to. Uh, but it's the same temptation. Right. It's this it's this. And, and there's a foolishness to think that we can't be tempted by similar things later in life, right? Like life is a cycle. We go through peaks and valleys all the time. Um, and this is, this is showing, you know, when Luke feels that the people he loves are threatened, he lashes out. Um, but just like in last Jedi, I mean, he, he stops himself. And I think the moment of the quick awareness for him is when he notices that severed mechanical hand and then looks at his own mechanical hand, right? And in that moment, it's this connection of I'm becoming, the thing I swore to destroy to use Obi-Wan's yeah. line. Right. Uh, and, and, and stops himself because he realizes this is not what he set out to do. Right. Exactly. The, he, you know, he has given over to the, the emotion and the swirling darkness in the moment, you know, and, and it is, it is the same kind of path that Anakin took, you know, and, and it takes him standing over the body of his fallen father, uh, you know, uh, 
man that he's disarmed <laughs> uh, and to make the connection and realize what he's done. Um, you know, and, and it is in that moment where he makes the, re- the resolution and gathers the resolve to stay in the light, no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That, that bears listening to Jason. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. What an iconic moment. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And, you know, Palpatine knows, all right, uh, he knows it's it's over. Yeah. The, the, the attempt to tempt and to turn Luke to the dark side has failed. Um, yeah. You know which, what? You know. What? To, to quote our old friend Katie, I had a galaxy brain moment for a second there. <laughs> where... Obi-Wan and Yoda, they they succeeded at the end of episode three insofar as keeping those kids hidden, right? The Emperor, mm. if you think about, again, whether or not you like the Emperor being back in the sequel trilogy is totally, totally your own preference, right? Um, but the way they choose to set that story moving forward with Nine is that the Emperor was working through Snoke to corrupt Ben, right? Almost like he learned from his mistake with Luke. Like, it, it, if, if I'm really going to recruit them to me, I need to really bide my time. But because Obi-Wan and Yoda and Bale kept Luke and Leia hidden from the Emperor, right? And Padme continues to look pregnant at her funeral. The Emperor never had that opportunity, right? So this accelerated no. temptation course just doesn't pan out. <laughs> um, no, it, it doesn't. And uh, he he tried. He tried the, the temptation he tried to, you know, overpower him with the the force of his of his will and and all of this. It was it was definitely a temptation, but it wasn't a, you know, you know, behind the back anything. It was like all the cards were on the table and let's just play this hand out and see who comes out on top. And Luke does yep. in the sense of he's not turning. And so the emperor goes, "All right, well then I will destroy you." which is what he does. If he can't use you, he destroys you. Mm. Um, and, and that's what begins to happen. And that's, I think part of what Vader reacts to what Anakin reacts to is he doesn't want Luke destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to interject these last few things with the, uh, the Vader and the Emperor, though, with just some more little moments with Lando. Um, you know, <laughs> ah, so I told you they'd do it, <laughs> right? Uh, just, yeah, it's just so good. You know, he, he it it kind of balances out to then kind of the dire situation that's transpiring now between the Luke Luke and the Emperor. You have Lando with this kind of giddy joyfulness of we got this now. Like Han did it. Let's get in there. Let's blow this thing to bits. Um, yeah, you know, so. Uh, it's it's kind of this nice counterbalance to what else is playing out. Right, right. And and I think that's part of the 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 great balance of this whole battle, the flow, the ebb and flow of this whole battle sequence. Because it is like a 40-minute sequence that doesn't feel like it's 40 minutes. Um is the the emotional peaks and valleys. You don't stay in any sort of like super tense and dark place too long uh, that jumping back into, you know, the action somewhere else is uh, gives you whiplash. You know, it, it, it's perfectly edited and balanced, I think. And it has, you know, all the, the little bits of humor, laughter, the drama, the tension, the fun action, the cool epic moves, the emotional heart, uh, all just impeccably intertwined together. Um, 
obviously the focus is starting to zoom in on the the emotional heart of this battle right now. Um, but we, you know, we get just a little bit of levity before we really hone in on that um, with Lando. And I think it's great because not only is he like, ha, we, now it's our turn to do it. And, you know, I'm glad, you know, Han finally made it through. It's like, oh, good. <laughs> my gambler sense and my luck hasn't run out yet. So <laughs> it's like, I told you they'd do it. It's like, that's what every gambler says when it, his, his gamble. Like, yeah. I knew it was going to happen when inside you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah. Uh, and then, well, we basically get then the emperor kind of just enjoying slowly cooking Luke. Um, yep. From the inside out with that force lightning. Yeah. Um, and you know, just looking again at where Vader's standing, you know, kind of just a tiny bit behind the Emperor at his shoulder, like a dog healing their master. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it's 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 Luke just continually calling out father, father, please. Um, yeah. You know, it, it breaks through that wall. And I, I, I like to think that there's something going through his head in this moment, too. That's recalling Padme, right? That Padme never gave up on him. Um, and this is Padme's son too, uh, and he hasn't he hasn't given up on Anakin, um, right? And just seeing yeah. seeing that he springs to action, you know, uh, to kind of take Rose Tico's line, right? He 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 gives himself to saving what he loves, uh, right? Uh, he's not going to fight the Emperor because he he certainly hates the Emperor, but he's not going to fight him because he just sees that as a losing battle. But he will certainly save the one he loves, no matter the cost. Um, it's interesting. The last time he saw Padme, you know, probably in person was when she was passed out on the, the landing platform on Mustafar after he'd choked her. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just said that, you know, he was breaking her heart and now Luke is writhing on the floor, you know, suffering at another force, you know, attack, you know, mm-hmm. so it's calling out father and he's not a father without Padme being the mother. So it would be very surprising if Padme's face isn't coming to mind at that point. Yeah. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it is interesting that throughout all of this, We've come back full circle to now Luke. He believes that he's, you know, he's overcome the darkness, the temptation. So now he starts reaching out to, to Anakin again. Um, and he started by saying, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Uh, and now he keeps leaning into that. Yeah. He is still hopeful, you know. As we know, he is he is the new hope, you know, mm-hmm. as the episode four tells us. Um, and and that hope pays off again uh, as Anakin finally breaks through and finally sees the redemption that Luke is trying to offer him and takes it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and then. Uh, the whole kind of attack on the the uh, the Death Star's main reactor, even the music, it's a callback to the Battle of Yavin. Um, oh yeah, uh, I guess technically that's not the, that's the music from uh, no, that's the uh, uh, the, the Tie Fighter attack after yeah, they the escape. Yeah, Tie Fighter attack. That yeah. piece of music gets used a ton. <laughs> yes, sometimes it is. a little. It's sort of I think like, it's a, I think it's a little overused, but uh, uh, I like it. It's a good piece of music, I'm but fine. I think it's used too much. Um, but uh, all that to say, nah. <laughs> uh it just you know it's similar shots of them you know you you got pilots getting shot from behind um but lando at least has the wherewithal to say like hey try to divert some of them back to the surface <laughs> yep um and uh the falcon takes a punch loses its sensor dish um not a scratch yeah not a scratch well maybe just a it's not a scratch it's just gone 
it's just gone. Yeah, yeah right. It's right. not a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, back in back inside the Death Star is, is Luke takes Vader's slash Anakin's mask off. Right, super symbolic. This is Anakin being revealed again. And it just sort of ironic that Anakin is this super white pale person as opposed to this person who grew up in the sun, right? You know, yeah. like young Anakin who grew up on Tatooine probably always had a bit of a sun kissness to his, to his features. Yeah. And now you've got this person almost devoid of life. Um, I mean, looks like a mummy in a costume. Um, well, he's been cut off from the light yeah. literally and in the force, you know, for so long. Right. So, um, but, uh, you know, just, it, this, this scene is, I mean, this, it's so important. Uh, you know, the message that George wanted to hit home in 1983 was no one's irredeemable, right? Nothing is beyond saving. Um, and I think that's huge. I don't think anybody in 1983 would have expected this after watching a new hope and even empire, right? Probably the expectation right. was Luke was going to have to kill him, but in instead we get this. Um, and I, I really appreciate that his, his final like, words to Luke are, you know, you were right. Tell your sister you were right. I think it leaves this confirmation in Luke of, hey, you trusted your you trusted your instincts. You trusted in yourself. You trusted in your heart. And you were right to do that. Never forget that. And I think it's also this probably last ditch uh, cry for some sense of forgiveness. Right. Please tell your sister you were right. Right. Because I'm sure he's well mm -hmm. aware that she's going to hate him forever. Um, most likely. Yeah. And it's this, it's this attempt to get, to get through to her that you were right. Your instincts were in the right place. Trust them and let Leia know that I was more than Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a Luke trusted the force to guide him through all of this. And he took the advice of, of Yoda and of Obi-Wan and then trusted the force and let his own thoughts and hopes help guide him as well. And it paid off. And Vader is no more. Anakin is there at the end. And, you know, it's... I'm sure part of him wishes that he had the time to try to atone, but it's probably for the best this way. You know, mm -hmm. it's, he, uh, it, it's just in light of the prequels, this is a very, you know, rewarding scene to see, Hey, our hero was still in there. And he is brought back to being that hero instead of just the villain. So, yeah. And it's, it's his son who helped him make that cross that divide that he didn't think was possible. Right. Right. Um, I just have a few more thoughts uh, on, the, on the end of this movie. Um, we're wrapping and, up. Yeah. And, uh, it, one of them is just that that's the scene with Han and Leia, you know, where Leia indicates that she knows Luke wasn't on it because she can feel it. And she confesses to, in fact, loving Luke. So Han just promises to step away. Fine. When he gets back, I won't get in the way. Um, just kind of bringing Han's character to a full arc of selfless compassion. Right. It, it, that's kind of where his character's always gone. Different beats through each of the movies. You know, going from coming back to help save Luke in A New Hope to giving his life to Leia, even if it means being killed in Carbonite, to now, you know, joining the rebellion, fighting for them. But especially now in his personal disposition to just say, I respect this choice of yours and I'm going to step away then. Um, right. And then, of course, she shares the good news <laughs> of what that yeah. what that love means and what that looks like. Uh, he looks a bit shocked, confused, and delighted all all at the same time. Uh, yeah, but it's great. It's this it's this moment where where Han Solo is uh, willing to to just do whatever is best for the people he cares about. Yeah. No, it's 
it is nice to see Han, you know, have this this, this culmination of his character arc uh, in this trilogy. Um, you know, getting to the point of of being a selfless uh, character who who puts his you know his friends and the people that he cares about above his own interests. Um, but it's also just great to see him sit in the confusion of, you know, being out of it for however long it was uh, and figuring out what Luke and Leia loving each other actually means um, as she is kissing him. Uh, it's one of the, it's one of my favorite on-screen kisses because it's just so funny. Um, so <laughs> as she kisses him and realization finally dawns uh, <laughs> in his mind. Uh, and then, of course, they don't get to have a moment at all because, you know, Wicket interrupts and is like, hey, we did it. And, you know, um, but yeah, it's great. It's a great moment. Um <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And then we, uh, mm-hmm. and then we, we have the, the moment of of Luke burning Vader's body, Anakin's body. It's uh, you know, I like this because it not only is it you know, the traditional way that you know Jedi were buried in a sense is you know cremated, um, but it's also symbolic, uh, in the sense that. It's burning away the last remnants of Vader. You know, Vader no longer has any hold on Anakin. Um, Anakin is free. Vader is dead. And uh, it's it's a really nice moment. Yeah. Um, and, and I wonder if, I wonder at what point he becomes one with the Force, right? Because we don't see him disappear when he's laying there dead on the landing ramp um, on the Death Star. So is his, I mean, is his body still in this suit? Like does Luke put the helmet and mask back on and just throw that on the funeral pyre? Or has he disappeared at this point and he's just burning the, the shell of Darth Vader? What do you think? I mean, again, all we have is our own convi- like our own assumptions because we don't know. I, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like his, his transformation into the force in the, the corporate in, in the, you know, the sense that uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda now have um, was different mm-hmm. than Obi-Wan and Yoda. Um, and obviously in light of all the other information we have about this, uh, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan trained specifically to be able to do that, to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, disappear uh, physically and to transform into the force that way. Um, some, I forget where it was. Uh, someone said, and I can't remember if it was a book or an interview, um, had the idea that perhaps Obi-Wan and Yoda helped him transition into the force uh, hmm. from beyond as he passed. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but well, it was, it was different. Yep. Than the the others. I'm so looking forward to the uh, certain point of view return of the Jedi book later this year, because uh, Mike Ooh. Chen, who wrote Brotherhood, gets the short story about Anakin's transition um, <gasps> after his after his death. Uh, so I can't wait to read that because Mike Chen is the bomb dot com. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait to get that story. But um, but my own take on it is. Again, it, like you said, it's it's it is different. Um, he doesn't disappear right away. So, and I think the way his Force Ghost shows up, right? Like Yoda and Obi Wan show up right away, and then it's like, oh, here comes Anakin. And my interpretation of that is, uh, and it, it, my interpretation of this has changed over the years. Um, but I think it is. It's the Force itself redeems him, right? The Force brings him back because he never trained for this. He doesn't know about this ability, um, right? I mean, he might. I mean he kind of gets a clue about it after striking down Obi-Wan in a new hope. Um, but he still has no idea how to do it. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, I feel like it's the force itself kind of taking action for Anakin. Um, 
So I I don't know at what point the the his body does disappear. And the thing is, I don't think Luke would have seen it because if he just puts the helmet back on to, to go burn it, he wouldn't have seen that happen. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. And the fact that it is Hayden now, right? Um, I mean, that's, that was the, one mm-hmm. of the biggest changes that I hated for the longest time. It was the only one I ever really hated because, you know, George's understanding of it was, well, he, he, he went back to the last time he was good. And it's like the last time he was good was when he stood up to the emperor as, you know, a 40 year old man. Um, but, uh, all that to say, I think, you know, what Luke sees when he sees those three force ghosts at the end of the movie is this is, this is the balance of the force. Now, um, this is the force being brought into balance because of the actions of Anakin. So the force kind of claims Anakin back to itself. Mm. Yeah. The chosen one. Chosen one is rewarded for for bringing that balance by coming back to the good side, mm-hmm. by coming back to the light side of the force. Yeah, uh, I like that. I like that interpretation. Um, yeah. So, and I'm very curious to see what Mike Chen yeah tells I, us. I can't wait. I can't wait to read his story. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know it. I know you I didn't realize that he was going to be in this one and now that makes me just even more excited to get the <laughs> book um yeah oh man but i i will just say i i love this and this end shot uh the family portrait mm-hmm. uh, as we we get everybody standing around the celebration uh enjoying everything uh it's and we we iris out to the credits it's just such a wonderfully happy ending uh, to a fantastic story, and that's part of why I love Return of the Jedi so much. Yeah, yeah, right there with you. It's this whole ending celebration, the way they all kind of come back together, the embraces and that they share, the, the smiles on their faces. It's it's like this, it's just there's this joyfulness that just permeates that whole ending scene. Um, yeah. It's a family party. It's we've done, we did this together, right? It's that line Lando says to Poe in episode nine, we had each other. That's how we won, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and that's in fact true. I mean, the, it's 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 all of them being together and and Luke getting to see those force ghosts is confirmation again of what he has done. And, uh, you know, and then it's Leia who kind of comes and brings him back into the family. Um, you know, Leia is always the one that draws Luke back back to the group. Um, and I love that because that's, of course, true in, in the sequel trilogy as well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but I think also, I mean, this ending is just so perfect and happy and wonderful that that's why it's like it's so hard to undo that. <laughs> you know, uh, that's always been my, yeah. my biggest pill to swallow with the sequel trilogy is just like, oh, nuts. They didn't that 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 victory celebration wasn't forever. You know, um, I, so. I know it, it would have been nice. It would have been nice, but that's not how life happens. It does it. Yeah. But all that to say, it doesn't take, I don't think it takes anything away from how wonderful this moment is. Um, No. And yeah, it's just, it's just so good. It's so very good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is most of our celebration of 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. So, yes, we got one more little bonus, bonus celebration for you next week, though. That's right. I uh, arguably the one I'm looking forward to the most um, <laughs> from this month. <laughs> yeah, I, I love talking Star Wars music. So yeah, next week we'll be back to talk our favorite pieces of music from Return of the Jedi. And I'm so excited because uh, on Friday of this week, I, I get to go see Return of the Jedi in concert, which of course you saw just a few weeks ago. Um, yes. So I'm sure that'll highlight some of our experience of the music moving forward into next week's episode. Absolutely. I, you you are getting to see it at just the perfect time for the podcast. It's, it's like they, they knew what we were planning for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it works out really well. Um, and uh, my apologies for my, my low uh, energy, y'all. I, I co- I've been coasting with a, with a fever all night. So, but uh, I got through this. So I feel, I feel good. I feel like I deserve a celebration in Bright Tree as well. Excellent. Well, we're going to we're going to play out Carl to bed with some celebration. <laughs> uh, it's an Ewok celebration and I'm sure some hot soup um, that the Ewoks fixed themselves. Um, but. Uh, 
anything, you know, before we, we wrap this up, uh, people want to weigh in on any of their thoughts on the final act of Return of the Jedi. Uh, where can people do that, Carl? Well, we are on Instagram at the Wampus Lair. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram. There's a Return of the Jedi vintage giveaway figure going on right now on Instagram. So be sure to follow us and, and participate if you're listening, because um, we're going to announce the winner next week on the episode. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampusler or email us at wampuslerpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, anything else before we close out this uh, celebration of a fantastic movie? I'm all set. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 513, Return of the Jedi, Act 3. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.